COVID issue for all women. Hello there, Mickey here. Welcome to this month's GigCast. In this episode, the Genster and I had a bloody lovely time with Sindhu V, Andrea McLean and the boss, Sarah Millican. We natted about socks for sex, old lady home perms, success at any age, not shitting for a month and meeting John Bon Jovi covered in sanitary towels. To be clear, John Bon wasn't covered in sanitary towels, obviously. Just think what that would do to his hair. This episode was recorded in front of a live audience at London's King's Place back in May. We're back at King's Place on September the 15th for a bang tidy Sunday afternoon slot at the London Podcast Festival. Drinking before and after a show? Well, you do you. I'll remain the consummate professional. <clears throat> it is Jen's birthday though. Anyway, we have got four, count them, one, two, three, four gigs up at the Edinburgh Fringe before that date. Two in conversations where we've got radio and telly's Gemma Kearney, comedy's Rosie Jones and two dope queen's very own Phoebe Robinson on August the 11th and also comedy's Laura Lex and Blue Peter now fiction's Janet Ellis on August the 12th. Both of these are at the Stand Comedy Club at 1.40pm and you can find more ticket info on our website standardissuepodcast.com. Over there, you'll also find info on our other two Edinburgh shows, which take place on August the 12th and 13th at 9.10pm and make the most of our contacts with a feast of funny women doing stand-up, including Susie Ruffle, Joe Caulfield, Sophie Duker, Jessica Foster-Q and loads more. Come along, it's going to be funny as fuck. Enough of my wanging on, even if it is about brilliant gigs. Let's get back to this one. Thanks to Maddie Hickish for all things tech and an even bigger thank you to Maddie for all of her work with us over the past few years as this was Maddie's last Standard Issue show. She has been an absolute diamond. Thanks, Maddie. Thanks too to all at King's Place and to Sindhu, Andrea and Sarah. Let's do this. Welcome to the Standard Issue podcast. Let's do some intros. So the way we do this is we say who we are, what we do, and a random fact about ourselves, and I'm going to chuck it over to Jen to start. Hello, uh, I'm Jen Offord, I am one quarter of the Standard Issue podcast team, and today I burnt my hand, neck and ear to achieve this hair. (laughs) (laughs) And I think we can all agree it was worth it. It looks looks lovely. Did you run your hand under cold water? No, I didn't, and there's quite a big blister. (laughs) I am, yeah. Yeah. But you look so lovely. Oh, thanks. Yeah, Yeah, totally worth it. It's just an hour I was telling Jen she looks hot. <laughs> Andrea? Thanks, guys. Oh, gosh. I didn't know we were going to do this. I would have prepared something funny. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm Andrew McLean. I'm a professional loose woman. Um, <laughs> that's kind of all you need to know, really. It's also a hobby. Um, <laughs> and uh, I have unwittingly become an expert on all things menopause. Actually, I I suppose I did one better. I I removed my womb just to do that. (laughs) I I, I can't really compete, can I, guys? (laughs) Jen's got a blister. Yeah. (laughs) It's quite big. Sarah? Um, I am Sarah Milliken. Hello. Uh, Hi. Uh, I am also one quarter of the Standard Issue podcast team and a comedian and writer and random fact... I refuse to buy anti-wrinkle cream. Yeah. It's really hard. Sometimes you just have to buy, like, like, face cream, like, generic face cream, because everything's about trying to improve and trying to avoid ageing, and I don't give a shit. I'll just... I'm going to get older. It's going to fucking happen. No cream's going to fucking stop it. 
I've, I've got a step bulldog now. And she uses it's, some... I'm sorry, what? A what? what? what is, was that looking at my face and I'm my skin? Say. You were like, oh, inspired by your face, I've got a step bulldog. No, no, but she has wrinkle balm, so you could just go with it. Like, she has wrinkle balm. Yeah, I have to be Pro honest. Wrinkles. For a dog. Yeah. That story, after what she said, you're earning no points. I mean, <laughs> you've gone from bulldog to wrinkle balm. Yeah. And I, is that to make you... Yeah. To make your wrinkles... Better to make yeah. them more balmy. wrinkly. Yeah, balmy. balmy. Balmy wrinkles. Yeah, I didn't know there was a point system, Cindy. This is news to me. <laughs> <laughs> Terrified. <laughs> Cindy? Um, hi, I'm Cindy V. Uh, I'm a comedian and I, um, I got, I have only one tattoo. I got it when I was 36. I'd had two kids at that point. Uh, my husband said he hated tattoos, so I got it. Um, and then I decided not to tell him because I thought when he notices, I'll shock him. It wasn't in a very shocking place. It's right here. Hello. Uh, anyway, and I thought it'll shock him. He never noticed it. <laughs> and then two months later, I was like, I'm going to be forced to bring it up because now I'm tired of waiting. Like every day I'd be like, oh, today is the day. Gave zero shits about my tattoo when I told him. He said, oh. So I have a tattoo here that made much less of an impact on my marriage than I thought do you- it would. Do you, wear, do you wear socks for sex? <laughs> <laughs> no, everyone? no, but you know, I, uh, no, I don't wear socks for sex. But I mean, it is in a place that you've got to be having really creative sex if that's the focus <laughs> of where it's at. You know what I mean? So, yeah. But I thought he'd be more sort of, you know, I, th- I thought he would do something. He'd be like, why did you get it? And I'd be like, I'm a free woman. <laughs> Nothing. He didn't even notice. <laughs> I was like, hello, look at this. And he was like, oh, huh. What is it of? I can't yeah, see it. I'm of? on the wrong side of you. What is it of? It's something I drew. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. It's pretty. It is very pretty. I yeah. ate, I think there was 17 Kit Kats while she was doing it. It was hurting me so badly. And my friend had said, eat chocolate, make, a, make you feel better. I had never eaten that many Kit Kats in one sitting. And I still cried. And uh, eating Kit Kats and how long, did, how long did your tattoo take? I'm trying to work out how many Kit Kats you've had per minute. But you know what? I don't know. I don't think it was as long as I thought it was. And I think she was getting really uncomfortable because I was starting to... Th- Threaten her. Uh, I can't lie. I was trying to threaten her. And she was like, I got to finish it. And I was like, I'm going to... At one point, I remember I was saying, I'm going to pull your hair. She was like, just let me get through this. It was bad. It's interesting that you're more creative verbally with the tattooist than with your husband in bed. You've got to pull your hair. Keep your socks on for sex. Uh, I am Mickey Noonan. I am a quarter of the Stand Issue podcast team. And I once saw my mum vaxing the pond. What? What? Yep. She wanted a spotless pond, so she took all the water out and got in there with a hoover. <laughs> Did it work? Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't, I don't really have very many reference points to compare it to, but <laughs> the fish seemed happy. You could see them. Oh, so she took them out first? She took the water oh, out. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I wasn't sure. When you said vax, I, I wasn't sure if waxing. that was... Oh, you thought she said waxing. waxing. The pond. That's even more confusing. She waxed a pond. I know, <laughs> exactly. That's what I thought it was. Is that euphemism? Oh, she, really she's is. got a new it's fella. always damp. Mm. No, but I thought she said, I once saw my mom waxing the pond. I was like, that's a terrible thing to witness <laughs> for your mother, because I thought it was that thing. <laughs> it wasn't a vax, like a vacuum cleaner thing yeah isn't it's that like, dangerous well, she, to put a vacuum cleaner in a pond she's a maverick andrea she sure <laughs> is maverick i like your mum. yeah she's great <laughs> and her pond is well waxed <laughs> <laughs>
I'm so sorry, Mum. <laughs> Jen, do you have a question to kick us off? I do. Um, so I'm going to start off by taking you all back in time a little oh, bit. Oh, okay. I know, exciting. Um, there's no time machine, uh, just verbally, obviously. So I would like to know, who did you see representing you in popular culture when you were growing up? And I'm going to start with you, Andrea. Oh, no. No one. No, no one. No, no one. I mean, there weren't, as in growing up like a teenager, yeah. there weren't really many people who represented me because I, I had chronic acne when I was a, a teenager. I mean, that in itself is pretty normal. Um, my mum also trained as a hairdresser. She's never shown me the certificate, but she told me she trained as a hairdresser. <laughs> and she talks about how she learned to do perms on we old ladies. That was all she ever knew how to to, what to do so that's what she did to me oh. so I, I know I know <laughs> so uh, I would get home from school at sort of 15 ish bless you and um it would the Tony and Guy home perm kit would be set on the table and literally I'd open the door and go it's that time <laughs> and she'd say your hair's looking awful lank I thought you needed a wee perm and she'd cut it like an old lady and she could never quite get the fringe right so it would just keep going up and up and up and then she would perm it so I know add on to this my granny used to knit a lot and she used to knit us all jumpers and and, um, my granny now this is a real skill she used to be able to smoke and knit at the same time so she could knit and like this and as kids we used to watch the end getting longer and longer and longer and she just used to tilt so that it didn't actually fall off and then once she'd finished getting to a row she'd go put it back on so every jumper smelled of smoke so because I was a really nice teenager I used to wear the jumpers my granny knitted to school and my mum used to perm my hair and I had spots so there wasn't really any cultural reference for that (laughs) super (laughs) gran Yes, there was. Super grab. Awesome. <laughs> Sarah, um, what about you? Uh, well, I think we would have been friends at school. We Andrea. would. Yeah, because I had a perm. I opted in for my perm. <laughs> and my mum was also a hairdresser. Uh, and she used to perm my hair. And because I... I used to show her a photograph, because that's what you did in those yeah. days. You had a photograph of... And it was always Charlene from Neighbours. <laughs> Who had, that's not the joke, but thanks for laughing. Well, my mum would, my mum would just had, say, I, I can't do that. Well, my mum couldn't do it either. Madge. <laughs> Madge. Mrs. Mangle. Mrs. Mangle. But I had hair that was shorter than this, and I didn't really understand how perms worked. And that, so I used to also look like a nana. We could have been twins. We could have been twins. <laughs> But my mum never knitted me a jumper. She used to do the front a lot and then f- just get bored and never... Mm-hmm. So I, there was lots of separate fronts, but never a back or <laughs> sleeves. Um, but that wasn't the question, Jen. I'm sorry, I just so feel she like... tabards. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing. Um, I think... I don't really know, because I... I never really looked for myself in things, I suppose. But I, I used to get really excited at Wonder Woman because yes. she took her glasses off and then could do amazing things. Yes. 
Oh, if I took my glasses off, then I started to walk into things. <laughs> so sort of the opposite of Wonder Woman. But I think just seeing a woman in glasses, because they weren't, you didn't see that often. Yeah. Uh, that was probably something that I identified with a little bit. I didn't, I didn't have a invisible plane or I didn't have the outfit or a truth lasso none of those things but I had the glasses and it's a start (laughs) (laughs) thanks one person clapping who probably wears glasses You know, it's a bit like, Sarah, I grew up, uh, when I was very young, we grew up outside India, and it was a very small bubble, and I was the only non-Western child in the class. It was in the Philippines at an American school. So, and all the shows were American. We watched Charlie's Angels and all this stuff, and so, just as an aside, I've got kids. Our parents let us watch anything. They had seemed to have no idea that television affects your brain. They just were like, yeah, go and watch TV. I watched the worst things when I was little, and I'd be like, okay, time for my sandwich, and then, okay, fine, I'll go to sleep. Now, we don't want kids to watch anything. But I'll tell you one thing. I learned to identify with character, and a lot of the characters I identified with were on Sesame Street. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. So I did learn to look into... So I was very protective about when people said that Grover wasn't real... I'd be like, no, no, of course he was. He, he would come in and help you right now. And they were like, why does she have this backstory on Grover? <laughs> it's because as a child, when you identify, you see what I mean? So I identified a little bit with Grover because he was nice and he wanted friends and he had very few. Aww. Yeah. And I identified with Oscar the Grouch, but not personally because that was my sister. So I was like, there's my sister because she didn't look like anyone in our school either. Uh, I mean, she looked, she's not adopted or anything. She looks more or less like me. So I think as a child, I identified with character, not face at all. And then we moved to India and it was worse because I was too tall and, you know, I, there was no one in popular culture who was supposed to look like me. So I identified very much with uh, one of the most famous actors in India. His name is Amitabh Bachchan and he's 6'1". And I was very tall. So I was like, oh, that's like me. I don't have a beard. Uh, although yet. Yet. yet exactly exactly that's absolutely right I mean I'm Indian and I'll say it on behalf of all Indian women we are hairy so I was like if I just don't wax my face I'll get there um, is so that I why identif- your husband didn't see your tattoo is because I was hairy to- no I had gotten rid of it I had gotten rid of it oh I thought it meant just distracted by a beard yeah no, yeah exactly that too no so I identified with him because he was an actor and he was so funny but he was very tall and it was the tallness that I identified there was no I couldn't find anyone who looked like me at all. Um, so it was weird. I mean, I, I often think it's not by face. You go to something else. Because I think all kids do want to identify with somebody. You want someone like mm-hmm. you. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you find it how you can, you yeah. know? Yeah. Make. So Grover and Amitabh Bachchan. That's a weird combination, <laughs> but that's me. <laughs> uh, I have answered this question before, and sometimes I change it up, but I really, I, I still stand by it, and it was definitely George from The Famous Five. Because, uh, you know... Yes. The, 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 the boys were off having adventures and she was very much wanting to be part of that instead of making fucking tuck shop sandwiches with Al in the kitchen. And she had a dog. Mm. Lovely stuff. And I used to go off on my own little adventures because I was quite a lonely, bullied child as well and have the imaginary famous five with me and go climb trees and couldn't ever get down them, get, get rescued. So you had how home. many imaginary friends? I had loads. I had, I had loads. an imaginary dog. Did you have like a bit of a lead? Yeah, I had a bit of uh, wool I used to pull along with nothing on the end. (laughs) (laughs) I was so thrilled when we got a dog. (laughs) Something for my string, finally. (laughs) If my granny had known you had wool, she could have knitted you a dog. (laughs) (laughs) She could have done. That smelled of smoke. Yeah. (laughs) Smoking dog. (laughs) Jen, what about you? Um, I 
I usually answer Buffy the Vampire Slayer because of all those demons I was killing in Harwich. Um, Are there a lot of, <laughs> lot of vampires in Essex? <laughs> I, I wasn't. Um, but also, does anyone remember Daria, the cartoon? Yeah. She wore glasses. She wore glasses, <laughs> as did I, and she was sort of miserable and sarcastic and also very clever. And yeah, absolutely, very clever. So, you know. Yeah, oh. so Daria. Yeah, good answer. I have a question for you guys. Yeah. And I am going to start with Sindhu. What does success mean to you? Now? Exactly, whenever you want. Uh, Success has meant different things to me as I've gotten older. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, when I was younger, it was um, being a daughter that made my parents happy. Uh, because they have two daughters and one had to do it. Uh, so The other one was in a bin. Uh, she's, my, she's my elder sister, so I won't say further. But um, I think it was m- making my parents happy, especially my mother. Um, and then I got to be a teenager and I was like, fuck that. Uh, you know, because teenage girls and their mothers, you're like, I want to make you so unhappy, you have no idea. They have that instinct. They just have that instinct. And then later I think success for me was... Uh, um, being in a prestigious university, doing well. But now, let's cut to the current times. I think now for me, I've realized that um, success for me now is... Uh, I, I feel very successful when I know that I'm being compassionate with myself. It sounds so lame. No, but I really, it's being compassionate with myself because... Uh, oh my God, you have to live in this body with this mind and you have to get through and... If I'm compassionate with myself on any given day, I think this was a good day. I did well. Because from that, then, I'm genuinely a better person to everybody else. And there's so much, I don't know, there's so much, uh, there's so much relief in being compassionate with yourself that I think it's a hugely successful day when I've been like that. I know, I wish I could have said something so exciting, like I feel successful when I'm working out in the gym but since I don't work out in a gym I have to tell you the truth it's really about when I'm compassionate with myself I feel like I'm being successful yeah yeah thank you Sarah well my answer about jet skis is going to go down like a light balloon (laughs) (laughs) um I we were talking sort of on similar lines backstage I think uh the, well, I said to Cindy backstage, I th- for me, the, the route to happiness, maybe, is, um, is finding something you love to do and kind of tricking people into paying you to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, success is the fact that I like my job because I started doing stand-up quite late. I was 29. And for years... I had done my jobs well. Like, I was always had pride in my work, but I, I always hated them. <laughs> and so, I, was, I always knew where it was good to cry. You know, like, oh, there's a, that middle cubicle nobody really uses because the toilet's not very good. I'll have a cry in there. And I just, I don't cry as much in this job, which is good, I suppose. But I think, yeah, I think it's just realising finally. I used to panic when I was like, sort of 10, because in the newspaper, like especially in the free paper, there would always be kids uh, who had been tap dancing since they were two oh. and had won loads of 
medals and trophies and they'd be in the paper with like full sort of middle-aged lady makeup but they'd only be six and I, I remember distinctly saying to my mom like I haven't found what I'm good at yet when I was 10 thing and I should have done something from when I was two um so actually even getting to 29 but actually finding something that I seem to be good at uh and making a career of it is success I think oh, yeah. Yeah. to me yeah. oh thanks and I've got a jet ski. <laughs> I haven't. I fucking haven't got a jet ski. Do you want one? No, I don't. I don't know why I said it. It just it sounds decadent. If, if you if you rented one, would that count? Or well, I can't swim, so I'd oh. very quickly die. Don't Maybe. rent one. <laughs> don't, don't do rent it. One. No. I mean, it's an accident waiting to happen. Very much so. Andrea, um, do you know it's a mixture of of all of these actually? Um, I when I was younger, I again what a, what a strange kind of amalgamation of people we are but I was um I was kind of always the outsider because when I actually grew up overseas and same as you I was I was the only white girl in my class and I uh, which was great and and I had lots of friends and everything else and then we moved back to the UK which I'd always thought of as being home but then suddenly I didn't fit in in the UK because I had this weird Caribbean accent but was white and people thought that was very strange and so I had to learn really quickly you don't say mommy you say mum and um, (laughs) you don't say sandwiches you say cob and so I had to kind of learn really fast to sort of fit in plus the perm and the spots and everything else Um, (laughs) I had no boyfriends Um, and and I was also I was bullied as well so I was very at ease in my own company and that sort of thing and I I sort of sought a lot of solace in writing and then I found writing was something I was actually really good at so for me being successful meant I wanted to be a writer so I I got my first thing published in Just 17 magazine when I was 15 and I was like Holy Grail. Holy Grail. I've, d- I've done it. And then what I kept doing was just sort of writing stuff and sending it off to anyone who would have it. And to me, that felt like success. And then when I was sort of, how old was I, 24, um, I couldn't get a job on the local paper because they said I didn't have the right qualifications. So I literally moved to London with everything I owned in the back of my mum's fiesta. And I slept on floors and lived in a bedsit until I got to college and then worked for free and then got a job. And then I thought, I'm a success. I'm a journalist. And so it it changes as you go through your life. I actually fell into telly. That sounds really weird. Like, well, I am quite clumsy and I've fallen into things before. Um, but I, I actually got into telly through a case of mistaken identity. I sent my picture in and they thought I was someone else and I ended up getting the job. I did tell them that I wasn't that person. But, and because I, it wasn't something I always wanted to do, uh, I never felt like... It, I was being successful at it because I felt like what I want to do is over there because I want to write and now I'm I'm going in this direction. But I've been in TV now for 23 years nearly and I've kind of accepted that I'm quite good at it now and that I'm doing all right at it. But for me, I now actually feel like I'm becoming successful mm. because uh, randomly it goes back to having my womb removed I'm really sorry about your blister, by the way. I didn't mean, I really didn't mean to I mean, top trump you. I'm really, I, I'm, you know. I felt that right away, and I'm glad for this opportunity to apologize because blisters really hurt. Um, having, the, having a hysterectomy, <laughs> it sounds weird to say feeling successful because I had a hysterectomy, but um, it kind of led to a whole career change for me because uh, I ended up, I had to. I had to say why I was going to be off work because it takes, 
um, it takes about six weeks roughly to, to be off work. And because I work on a show that's every day, um, I was going to keep it quiet because I thought it was no one else's business really having a womb removed and uh, then Linda Robson who I work with she's a lady from Birds of a Feather she's really nice we all call her Nana Linda um, she said sweetheart you've got to say something Ilfi you've been fired <laughs> and then I thought all the women's magazines will make stuff up about me so I, I announced that I was having a hysterectomy and within 24 hours 10,000 women got in touch wow. and it totally changed my whole perspective on life and I realized actually I need to do something about this so since then that was in 2016 I've written a book I formed a website and now I do talks just talking to women uh, and telling them obviously what they need to know about the hysterectomy or menopause ask me anything I'm literally sweating now you know um I mean so am I I know you know and can I just say the room is warm it's not it's not yeah it's not a hot flush yeah thank you but for me I finally actually feel successful and it comes down to what what you said well both of you said I actually for the I'm fifth I'm 50 this year and I actually feel like I'm content in myself I found something that I genuinely love doing I get such a rush from looking out and seeing people's faces and knowing I've made a difference, I've helped them mm. in some sort of way. And so, and I realized all the kind of weird things that I did leading up to me getting to this point was all meant to be. And now, at just like a, a few months away from 50, which is really late, I'm, I'm so jealous you got yours at 29. I'm 20 oh. years too late. No, no, no better it's late never than never. Late. Exactly. Better late than never. Better late than never. Better late exactly. Than never. Exactly. So yeah, I actually feel like I'm just coming into success now, and I'm, I'm having as much excitement now as I did when I was 20. And maybe it's because I mean I have fake hair now. Um, none of this is real. None of this is real. But it's my choice, not my mum's. So that's a, <laughs> that's a success. And of those 10,000 women who contacted you, how many of them were just telling you about a blister on the hand? <laughs> oh, harsh. One. 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 Harsh. Jen. <laughs> Serious business. You know. It took ages to set up all those accounts, didn't it, Jen? <laughs> Jen, what about you? What does success look like to you? Um, well, I used to be a civil servant and I used to work in economic regulation of the water industry. So this is all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. And I get to like get paid to talk about football and every day my brother is pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is all right. This will do. Yeah, that's good. How about, about you? you? I think what you've all touched on is that it, it changes, it's shifted. And I think when you're at school, you're very much told you need to set your path and follow it. And veering from that path means that you're a failure. Now, I was lucky that I knew that I wanted to do journalism from when I was really little, either journalism or law. But it, then it just, it feels that I'm kinder to myself and the little successes mean just as much as heading for one big thing that's usually quite unattainable. So, you know, a, a successful day is an interview's gone really well or someone gives us great feedback. Standard issue is a, a huge success story or just, you know, a really difficult poo going well. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the first one after a modium. I love the first one after a modium. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've had this with this chat before that a modium instants are a lie, aren't they? Oh yeah, works instantly within an hour. That's not fucking instant. No. It's five to eight, and I've got to go to work in five minutes. <laughs> work faster. Anyway, it's we've derailed it. Sorry. But can Sorry. I just say, since we're on the topic of imodium, may I just put one yeah, point in? Is do. that imodium is this medicine you have if you've got what in India we politely call loose motions? 
So right? Am I right? Yeah. But thing is, if you got loose motions in India, they're spectacular. Imodium cannot touch them. <laughs> and I know this because I, the first time I took my kid when he was a bit older to India and he got loose motions, I was, and I had all this Western medicine, I gave this kid Imodium. Literally, stuff shot out of him so hard, he went to the <laughs> ceiling. And I was like, this medicine is not working. And my mother was like, why is child on ceiling? But, you know... <laughs> But then I went to an Indian doctor who was like, Imodium, this is only for Westerners. I will give you a medicine. Then, this is what the doctor said. Cut this medicine in half, cut that half in half, powder it, touch it with your finger and get the kid to lick it. That's how... Kid didn't shit for a month. <laughs> I swear to God. So we... Imodium to me is like, oh, lightweight. <laughs> Are you, I'll send are you, you a Indians. dealer for this? I now? was going to say, I'll send you some. Please just, do. You just have to go. Just and, and rub it done. on your gums. Just, yeah? Just yeah, you're I've done. You're yeah. done. You'll get the, no problem. No problem. But Imodium always, I always think fake news. Fake news. <laughs> because Andrea was talking about the menopause, I wanted to ask you all. And obviously your answer will be slightly different because you, you've been there, done that. But what are you looking forward to most about the menopause? And I'm going to start with you, Sarah. Oh, um, I'm nowhere near it that I know of anyway. Uh, I, um, I suppose I'm looking forward to not having periods anymore. Mm. Yay! Woo! <laughs> Bring it on! <laughs> Um, when my when my mum had her menopause, the doctor said to her, you'll get a bit of spotting for a while. And my mum said, should I get some Clearasil? Genuinely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is a fact. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, my periods are uh, awful, like awful. Um, and I would really like them to fuck off. So yeah. <laughs> women who cheered at the back, I'm looking forward to being where you are, kids. Uh, so yeah, I think that's what I'm looking forward to. It's Is a good right? answer. It's a yeah, great answer. Great. Yeah, Cindy. Um, like I told you before, I, I'm, I, I, I think I'm in the menopause all the time because I'm emotionally so unstable, and I'm like something's got to explain this. It can't be my personality. So, <laughs> I, you know, regularly go to the doctor. She's like, "You were here last week. We did a blood test. You are not in menopause." And I'm like, it might have started. She's like, there's this thing called perimenopause, apparently. And I'm like, am I in that? And she's like, it's symptom-based. So I think I am in that. But I've been like this since my late 20s. So, I, you know, anyway, here's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to getting to a place where the doctor says, yes, you are. And then you can take hormones to really manipulate your mood. I've never <laughs> done drugs. Uh, I think it's a terrible example now that I have kids. So I'm not going to do drugs, but I cannot wait to get a cocktail of hormones where suddenly I get to feel the way that I pre-decided with those hormones. It is, I'm <clears throat> genuinely excited. Okay. I am. I mean, why not? Okay, I, I, I'm not, I, clearly all the energy has left the room. Uh, but you asked me for an honest answer, and I want to know, you know, what is that like? Like, you know, you can take this much 
I don't know, progesterone and estrogen. You're probably going to come out with something and say this is all a bad idea. I know. But, you know, it's just, it's just kind of exciting to be like I can be – there's a legitimate reason I can be in this much control of my body and my mood. And then, you know, if I want to feel, I don't know, get better muscle definition, I'll take some testosterone cream and rub it on my leg. I want that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Answer. yeah. Now let's hear the medical ramifications of this. Go ahead. Go ahead. I know. I know. No, no. Honestly, it doesn't quite work like that. But the bit that you, you bang on about is that it's great to have an excuse. Yeah. But doesn't <laughs> HRT sort of work like that? Well, yes and no. I mean, it does help. The, the, uh, it, yeah, it does. It just kind of takes the edge off. It's a bit like a glass of wine at the end of the day. There it you just go. kind of takes the edge off. So you don't feel quite so murderous. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. You don't have to drink a, like a gin at 11 a.m. Yeah. to feel like that. You yeah. can just be like, oh, I'm taking my medicine. Blah. Yeah. I'm great. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. That, that's the best way to describe it. It just kind of takes the edge off. And no hangover. <laughs> I'm so excited. I really am. <laughs> but you still sweat. I mean, I, you know, I have been known to wear sanitary pads under my armpits on loose women. It works. It just kind of absorbs. And then during the ad breaks, they come and whip them out and put fresh ones in. They're quite oh, plasticky, though, isn't that aren't nice? they? Uh? Doesn't sanitary towels are a bit plasticky? Doesn't that well, you use worse? the, the, the um, panty liners, the really thin ones. Oh, okay. And they just kind of fold them in. They attach them to your clothes. So sticky side, not to your skin, because that, that wouldn't work. And they, they attach it to your clothes, and then it just means you can sweat like mad, and you know no one's going to know. Can I just say, I love that you've got people for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what a diva! Would that, would that also work under your boobs? Yeah, yeah. Good. I, I literally, Noted. I interviewed John Bon Jovi, and I was so excited to meet him and hot flushing. I had sanitary towels pretty much everywhere. <laughs> I was part of me was so excited to finally meet him, and the other half was thinking, "Please don't actually slide down a sleeve or down my leg." <laughs> I think he'd be really thrilled if he knew <laughs> that he'd caused that in you. <laughs> if he ever listens, yeah. he'll find out. I'm sure he does. He's a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> just said there's anyone else imagining this gorgeous woman just in a, an outfit made entirely of sunny pads. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Like a Literally. fully dry They're Michelin like nicotine man. patches, but they just go <laughs> just everywhere. <laughs> and then you're just like, oh, I just really sweat. <laughs> and, and I don't know, it's not necessarily having people, there's wardrobe ladies who, who come on and their job is to make too. sure you're neat. And um, they actually told me the tip about the sanitary towel thing because they do it for men who work on the t- It's actually... For all, the, for all the men who are menopause? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know what's crazy men. is it's so amazing that you have people who know these tips. Like we never knew, I never knew. Yeah, that's, that's why I tell it. everyone. I so I'm not embarrassed about it at all. I want, like I said, I want to spread the joy. And yeah. easier, presumably easier than tampons as well. Yeah. Because <laughs> you'd have to... You'd have to hold them in like this. Hold them in. I, I use them... It's nice to meet you, John Bon Jovi. <laughs> it looked, that was quite low. It looked like I was shaking his cock. If, if, <laughs> if I'd had hay fever at the time, I, I would have used them. <laughs> but yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> or maybe an ear infection. <laughs> Jen, what about you? What are you looking for? What is the best thing about the menopause that you can't wait to happen? I am 36 and I don't want to think about this. Um, (laughs) uh, I'm quite a sweaty person anyway, so an excuse to wear a suit entirely made out of sanitary (laughs) It would work. Why not? Let's go with that. It's kind of like the advert. Remember when you were little, the advert that the girls could roller skate and ride horses and, and water ski and stuff like that. It's like that, but you can just talk without caring that you're sweating. It's just as good. 
Mm. <laughs> and can you roll a skate? Well, there's a sliding scale of ability. <laughs> that's fair enough. That's a good, that's a good answer. I, um, I really like white sheets, so I'm looking forward to that not being a problem. Yeah. I've got an idea. So my uh, friend and I uh, have decided that at some point we're going to open a chain of hotels. You know, when you see in hotels so much for work, and then there's always things where you think, oh, I could make this better if I run a chain of hotels. And we decided that we want, when you when you first initially email them to book it online, uh, you should be able to opt to have white sheets or red sheets. Yes. It's a great idea, because then you wouldn't worry the whole time. Yeah, it's a good idea. Are we all chipping in? Do we get shares? (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. And just a cupboard full of sunny putts. (laughs) (laughs) Jen, do you have another question? I do. Okay, so I would like to know, starting with you, Sarah, what was your feminist light bulb moment? Oh, um, I think... uh, Well, I read a couple of books that really kind of made me I read uh Catelyn Moran's How to Be a Woman and I read uh Tina Fey's Body Pants and I read them both quite close together and th- kept having I guess that was the first initial sort of light bulb on but when I started Standard Issue I think that was the first major thing because it didn't feel like there was anything we know this story, you probably know this story, they didn't feel like there was anything out there for me when I would stand and look at in the train station, I would look at the magazine rack and think, I don't give a shit about lipsticks. <laughs> I mean, I've got some, you know, but I know which ones I need to wear and, I, you know, there's not a special time that I should wear white jeans because, you know, heavy periods and diarrhea, it's never. Um, <laughs> don't need a magazine to tell me that. And they didn't feel like there was anything for everybody else. All of the women that I knew, all of my friends. And I think that was when I, I sort of thought, well, if there's something doesn't exist, then maybe we should make it exist. And that's the sort of starting point for standard issue. So I think that was my, probably my first major... It, it, that was the first time I acted on it, I suppose. So it's, it's quite late. Yeah. Quite late yeah. on. But and I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm going... Full, full throttle now. Yeah. <laughs> Put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, Absolutely. totally. Yeah. But we used to like there'd be little text messages, and it's like once that light bulb has gone on, mm. and the alarm goes off, it mm. just got louder, and you just I just get a message from Sarah that just went ding 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 because she'd seen another sexist thing and it was oh I'd be at the hairdressers and they'd put a couple of magazines down for me to look at and I'd just send a photo of me doing this to the magazines (laughs) to Mickey just to go fuck these no no thanks I'm putting them all in a book Uh, I'll be selling (laughs) them later (laughs) that'd be a great Tumblr account (laughs) Sarah Millican in foils swears at mirrors (laughs) (laughs) swears at mirrors Well, that's a different thing, isn't it? Swearing at mirrors. <laughs> just doing that to my own reflection. That's, I feel bad for the people sitting here. I'm not really doing it a year. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Sindhu, how about you? Um, so I think with me, I grew up in India. And so, and my father always said to us, you can study what you want. And, you know, you, we, there was always, always an expectation that it would work. So I think in a way, there was, it was a very feminist. No one ever said feminist, but it was... I kind of grew up thinking I had responsibilities because I was a woman towards myself because as a woman, I should go out and do this. It was just there in my head, but I never thought about it. Uh, one light bulb moment was when I was studying in the United States and I decided to take a course in the law school because you got easier A's. <laughs> and I, I just needed to get through and get my, you know, get my grade things. And I decided to do a course with a, with a lawyer 
and a professor, and she's um, very well known. Her name is Martha Nussbaum. And Martha Nussbaum used to come into the law faculty dressed like she was going to be in vogue, right? Now, in academia, women who were bright were supposed to not look like they were anything interested, that, that they had any interest in their appearance. They were just supposed to look scholarly. And um, the moment you looked like you were, that you cared about it, then you were not taken seriously. Um, just for the record, and because this is like a small fangirl moment, I used to walk past Obama's class and not know. We were like, yeah, who's Obama? We're going to see Martha Nussbaum. Stupid. But anyway, <laughs> I could have taken that class and been, got, got an A and been like, I went to school with the president. But anyway, now that, went to see Martha Nussbaum. She used to come in dressed like she was going to be in vogue. And she took that law class in a way that was completely, she did not, she didn't care how she looked but not in the other way that we were supposed to not care how we look. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. She was like, I look like this, and it's not going to be an issue. And I remember watching her, and guys in the class would talk about how hot she was. She was very hot, I have to say. I used to be like, she is hot. And she had a kind of a history of having had um, liaisons and so on and so forth. But when she got up and she did the law course, she challenged us to give a shit about what she was dressed like and to make that an issue. And we never could because she was an excellent professor. I'll never forget sitting in that class and thinking, this is a woman who's saying, I will do it on my terms. And she, was, and she did a lot of women's studies and she wrote a book about women's studies. So it's not like she didn't talk about women because one way that you can be like that, and I experienced this a lot when I was in banking, was you can pretend that women are not an issue and you're a woman. There's no problem. Everything is equal. Look, I'm here with men. That's a way that can work, but it can be difficult if you're a young woman in that environment because it does matter if you're a woman. And if the women around you are like, no, it doesn't, then you're a bit like, uh, what's happening? You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, so that was that, that one. It was really when I joined comedy, really? which is funny because all these other things I carried with me and I behaved the way I did, but I never thought in terms of am I a feminist or not. I assumed that I was in a female body, so I'm a feminist. I expect things to be, go very well for women. And I always thought that's enough. It was when I joined comedy and I started noticing, because prior to comedy, I'd been at home having kids and been around other moms. And honestly, you've got young kids. No one slept. Who gives a shit about feminism? We're like, just, can you wipe the puke out of my hair, man? Because I have no energy. Like, it was, we just didn't care at that point. We had, and I was, in a, I, was in a, I was raising my kids in an environment that was unfamiliar for me from a, as a mother's point of view. Because, I don't know, I always thought I'd have really Indian kids. Turns out, No. They're quite English. And my husband's not Indian either. So really, I was, it was, I was swimming upstream uh, on that. But anyway, um, so I didn't care. But when I joined comedy, and I came to comedy later, I started noticing these things about women comedians would talk about it. They'd say, look at the magazines, look at this. And I, for the first time, consciously began noticing. And I thought, you know, this is shit. I mean, now that I've got the puke out of my hair and I can think two sentences together, this is wrong. <laughs> And I, that's when I thought, this is actually, it's not enough for me to be like, I'm doing this and I'm, you know, I'm not letting men tell me what to do, so I'm a feminist. I have to sort of take it one step deeper. And that's when I thought, oh, okay. And, then, and since then, I've probably been a lot more vocal. I have been a lot more vocal, and I'm very careful how I raise my girls. Very careful. Um, I point this stuff out to them. And it makes their life a little bit sad, to be honest, because uh, the baby's like, but I want pink. I'm like, why not yellow? She's like, because I like pink. I'm like, that's been put on you by society. She's like, I'm four years old. What is society? But you know, you know what I mean. 
Um, <laughs> but it's true. So I think it was really comedy that really turned it into a very conscious thing. And I think it is those magazines. And probably I'd seen one of the pictures you'd put up somewhere going like this. I'm like, oh, Sarah Millican, what is she talking about? It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it probably took some of that as well. But yeah, that's... So yeah, that was sort of my light bulb thing, I guess. Yeah, good answer. Andrea? I've realized actually listening to this, I've never had a light bulb moment. I, I've, I've realized that actually mine's been more like a dimmer switch that's gradually been turned up and up. I never had the, the sort of fluorescent light click bulb and then I, then I sort of know. But you played a big part in that actually, Sarah, and it was, it was yeah, you did. Um, because, and it was with setting up standard issue because oh. you asked me to get involved in it way, way, way back when. And I think for me, obviously a lot of where your views originate is obviously your your upbringing and your surroundings and this sort of thing and I was raised in a very really traditional sort of way in that my dad went to work and my mum clearly trained really poorly as a hairdresser and then uh, was was a a stay-at-home mum and her job was to look after my dad and my dad raised with his two my my sister and I he raised us so that uh, we were told we could do anything. You know, there wasn't like there was a girl's job or a boy's job or anything like that. But I realize now with the benefit of hindsight, and it, I don't think in any way that this was his fault. It was just, I think it was something that was ingrained in him, that you can do anything you want as long as you're home in time for tea to cook your husband's dinner. Mm. And that was, um, and I don't, like I say, I don't blame him for that, but that was so ingrained in my subconscious. So I I married my first boyfriend. We we I was just so grateful, <laughs> so great. Marry him, hold on to him. He knew me when I had a perm. Um, so, uh, and even when that wasn't working out, and and I was I was working. I was a, a mum. I was the one who was rushing home, to cleaning the house, erasing all kind of evidence that there was a child and a tired mum in the house. And I because it was ingrained in me, and what I saw my mum doing was you arrive. You, you when you hear that key in the door you are fresh dinner is made and you have a beer ready and that I was very Stepford wifey because that was how I thought it was supposed to be and when that marriage didn't work out and I kind of tried again and then I did all the same things again and then that marriage didn't work out event I'm a really slow learner (laughs) eventually I realized that's clearly there's something in that that's not right but it was so ingrained I couldn't quite Mm. see what was what was wrong and it actually took, you, you were the sort of, Sarah, you were the sort of turning point of the dimmer light being switched on. And when you sort of pointed out all these magazines are just so wrong, it was like, oh my God, you're, you're completely right. And yet I've been feeling this way, but I couldn't articulate it. And I didn't know why. Um, that was a kind of starting point. And then I started to care less because I'd been brought up, you always try and be neat and tidy. Um, you know, you're always trying to please other people. You're always putting yourself last and always keep your light dimmed and keep your voice small so that you can do well, but don't do too well so that it annoys the boys. And, and don't do too well because otherwise it's just annoying. And I've realized, uh, you know, sort of coming into late 40s that actually that's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm really ready to change. So thank you. Oh, oh, thank you. Jen? I've got various answers for this because I think it is one of those things, once you see it, you sort of see it everywhere. But mm. honestly, um, Beyonce Knowles, if I were a boy, the video, watch it, guys. Just watch it. <laughs> it's very powerful stuff. There's a solitary tear. There's a role reversal. It's amazing. Just watch it. 
Some homework for you. (laughs) We like to give you homework. We've only got five minutes left. Mm. I know, guys. Oh, my God. Uh, It's flown by. So I'm going to chuck in a fairly quick-fire question. I'm going to start with Cindy. And it's twofold. What is your greatest fear and what is your greatest triumph? Quick fire, um, is it? Yep. I thought it was going to be like the capital of France. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Paris, next one. Yeah. <laughs> what if someone's greatest question, like greatest fear, was like general knowledge? Mine is. Yeah. That's why I said France and not a more complicated country. Mongolia. What's the capital of Mongolia? No, don't test me. No, no, you're not. You're not in charge. I think it's Ulaanbaatar, is it? Okay. Yeah, but it's... Okay, just... just I was playing a game in the car with the kids and they were doing that, I don't know, the capital of Mongolia, I was listening to it. That's why it's in my head cheat. and I had to... Yes, a complete yeah, cheater. Cheat. Oh, yeah, I'll, for, to win, I'll cheat. Um, anyway, so, what, so what's my greatest fear? What's my greatest triumph? My greatest fear is that uh, that something will happen to my children. That's it. That's, that's, you know, you live and die by that. That's what it is. Um, uh, is your greatest triumph that they're still alive then? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, no, but I mean, I think it's anything to do with the kids. Anything to do with the kids. Just, you know, that they should be well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that's the greatest fear. And it's just this big, big... <laughs> I'm glad that I mean I'm glad you're happy that the kids are alive. I don't know what that joke that, but you know it's just it's it's a it's a very undefined people here who have kids, yes? You know what I'm talking about? It's an undefined big foggy fear. Mm-hmm. So that's that mm-hmm. always no matter what. Uh my greatest triumph I honestly it's um it's so hard to say what my gre- my greatest triumph, I don't know. Um I think my greatest triumph is that I got up on stage when I did, and I did a gig by far, because that's had far-reaching effects on me as a human being, and I never really was given the opportunity to think what I wanted to do. I was always told what I had to do, and by getting up on stage, I, even at the age that I did, I was able to happen upon the thing that I'm supposed to be doing. Comedy is my calling, for sure, and it's... It's redefined me, it's made me a bit happier person, and it's really made me content. So I think just getting on stage that time, that first time, uh, was probably my greatest triumph. It's a great answer. Lamilican. <laughs> Millican. Millican. Uh, my greatest fear is that I'm the only one that can hear a baby crying in the room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> And my greatest triumph is uh, mastering the jet ski. Uh, No. Um, My greatest fear is is always being a workaholic. Because I love my job and it's really hard to stop doing it. But I need to to exercise the self-care that you were talking about Mm. before, the compassion for yourself. I'm shit at that. So I think that's probably one of my greatest fears, at least. That and having to go on like a couple's holiday. Uh, just, <laughs> uh, just the idea of having to mix with people I don't like or know. Uh, and my greatest triumph, oh God, I don't know. It's not, it, we're not very good at being sort of self congratulatory, are we? It, it kind I've been of. taught by my boss to push the envelope there. <laughs> oh, thanks. She's awful. Um, <laughs> it's me. Um, 
try. Oh God, I don't know. I don't know. You found um, those laces that you don't have to do up. Oh yeah, that's good. Uh, so I never have to tie laces ever again because uh, my uh, my friend told me because I was constantly tying my laces because they always loose and she said do you not know about the elastic ones and ta 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 never have to oh. tie them ever again and I'm and I've I've like literally earned minutes back of my life um, yeah let's go with that yeah I don't know I don't know Some, sometimes people send me nice messages saying that I've cheered them up and that really makes me happy because I. I suppose I, all I ever want to do is make people laugh, but if people are going through some shit and I make get them out of that even for 10 minutes and then they go back in, it's that yeah. release and relief that you have from laughter that I am very uh, happy to be able to provide if people would like. This has gone terribly badly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, jet, and jet skis. But we get it, but we get it. <laughs> and the laces. I don't even know what that was. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Andrea, made the baby stop crying. I feel really bad because my first thing that popped into my head, because it was quick fire and I thought, right, I need to react really quickly, was spiders. That's my no, biggest no, that's a proper fear. Oh, though, yeah. my God. I'm so scared of spiders. Now I'm even more sweaty. I need, I need more sanitary pads. Sunny pads, um, stats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm really, really, really scared of spiders. That's my greatest fear. And I feel really bad that I didn't say anything happening to my children. <laughs> No, but she said quick fire, and then they okay. had that little yeah, thing yeah. about, yeah. you know, so then by then I was like, oh, let me come up with something deep. Okay. Uh, because, I mean, if I was doing a quick fire one, it would be being caught without Nicorette in a situation where I couldn't get to Nicorette in the next 10 minutes. That's a horrible fear. I, I genuinely have. thought you were going to say being caught without knickers. That's yep. why no, I, I know you are. I know you are. <laughs> no. Yep. That can be scary, but depends what the situation is. I kind of, I feel like that about HRT. I can remember one of the other side effects of of menopause is insomnia. And I can remember one night lying awake, having a full on, it wasn't a panic attack. It was just a a real fear that Donald Trump would cause Armageddon and then we would run out of HRT. (laughs) And then I would become one of those zombies possibly flesh eating and then the world would end and I, that became a real I had to get up and go and get make myself a cup of tea yes. just, just um, turn the news off, off yeah <laughs> uh, my greatest triumph uh, I managed to go to sleep in the house while there was a spider in it I did not the same room I, I did I, I threw lots of things at it and then it ran under the bed and so I had to leave that room and I put a towel under my bedroom door and then went into the spare room and slept there with also a towel under the door. Oh, and well I was then. really proud that actually I didn't just set fire to the house because oh. <laughs> they must die. That was a triumph. I didn't know their natural enemy was towels, though. I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> Please tell me it is. <laughs> it is, it is. It's their kryptonite. It is. <laughs> well, I think you should be proud of how smart it is to stick towels under the doors. That's a triumph, isn't it? Well, I thought that. And then someone said me. the other day, they can squeeze through cracks. What about the side bit? And I was like, oh, no. I, I know. No, no. I hope Get you, rid of that I hope you unfriended that person. Exactly, exactly. I hope that person is no longer even your acquaintance. I hope you <laughs> ignore them on the road. That's so unhelpful. If someone feels that they're getting something right, and let's be honest, no offense, but fear of spiders, like, it's obviously in her head. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're this big. So if she's got a handle on it by putting the towel, don't be the person who says, oh, what about the cracks? If you see that person yeah. on the street, promise me you will just ignore them and keep walking. Straight past. Because you, you know what? You, as I've gotten older, I've learned to edit people out of my life. I want to edit that person out of my life. I don't even know them. 
<laughs> oh, if you Done. see that person, just hold up a towel and see if it works for them as well. <laughs> Guys, we've got to, we've got to wrap it up. I'm afraid. Oh. Does anyone have anything they would like to plug? Yes, but before that, can I just hear a fear at least from the two of you that um, you would ask me that fucking question? Because okay, I okay, good, good. Uh, the question and not an answer. <laughs> On a sort of sweaty vibe, uh, how sweaty the ass of this skirt is going to be when I stand up. Oh. <laughs> Causing Are me a bit of, bit of anxiety at the moment. Uh, <laughs> I'll walk behind you. Thanks. <laughs> oh. Now everyone's going to be watching. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> Help yourself. What would you like to plug, Cindy? Um, oh, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, my tour is starting up again in September. I'm going to be on tour. Uh, the show is called Sandhog. And September 6th, I'm on in London. And there are tickets with your names on them. <laughs> So please, um, yeah, please go buy some. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Boss? Me? Uh, I am making a Radio 4 series called Elephant in the Room, which is a panel show where, that I am hosting, and that starts on Radio 4 on the 4th of July. So hope you like it. Yeah. Thanks. Andrea? Um, I'm also going on tour for the very first time. I've Yay. never done a tour before. Yay! I'm doing a one-woman tour, which I'm, I'm going to have to pick everyone's brains here yeah. about what that's like. As long as there's no spiders, I'll be fine. Um, is this what you told us about? I was going to say, what you told us about sanitary towels, you can ask as many words of advice yeah. as you like. Yeah. Brilliant. I was going to ask Absolutely. if it was to launch your own range of sanitary towels. <laughs> <laughs> we should have merch! Oh my God! <laughs> we should have armpit fanny pads. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I'm going to work on that. Um, no, it's called Confessions, and it's all about just kind of behind-the-scenes chat about what it's like working in telly and how I got there. And it's in October, because I'm 50 in October, and it's to sort of celebrate all things getting old, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jenster? I would like to plug the Standard Issue podcast. If you haven't listened to it already, please do. Uh, we do a weekly podcast, three weeks. It's me, Mick, and Hannah, and it's a magazine for ears, is what we like to call it. And then once a month, it's one of these fantastic shows and we've got another show in london at the underbelly festival on june the 8th which jane horrocks is going to be at jane horrocks guys exactly and just think of all the other people she brings with her (laughs) 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 great value great value you should definitely get tickets for that and indeed all of our shows and you can find more information at standardissuepodcast.com mick I would like to plug the fact that Jen and I, neither of us natural runners, and Andrea, in fact, is running this too, are running the Vitality London 10,000. And we are running it to raise money for abortion support network because women should have a choice and kids should be wanted. I would like to turn those claps into cash. So... (laughs) You can sponsor us, and the link is coming up quite a lot on our Facebook and Twitter page. But it's re- you can't really read it out. It's a really weird one with, like, double hash in. Yeah, and if, so. if we don't want to run... <laughs> yes. Because I'm so tired from all the jet skiing. <laughs> we can just fling money away, yes? Please do. Okay. Good. Yeah. We'll do that. Thanks so much for coming. Oh, what um, a great crowd. Yeah, Thank you so amazing. much. You've been here. Thank you very much. And please join me in thanking our guests, Andrea McLean, 
Sarah Millican, Cindy V, and me and Jen. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Standard issue for all women.